Hello everyone, and welcome back to Beyond Prisons. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Sonnenstein, and for this episode, I sat down with a friend of mine that we are calling Alice to protect her and her family from retaliation from California prison officials. Some of you may remember that I interviewed Alice back in April of this year about the situation facing people enduring the pandemic while incarcerated at the Correctional Training Facility in Soledad, California. If you haven't heard that episode yet, I recommend you pause this and listen to our first conversation for context. I've included a link in the episode notes. In this conversation, Alice tells us about a recent protest held at Soledad and how women have been fighting for months for prison officials to improve healthcare measures inside the facility, which has one of the highest rates of COVID-19 infection in not just the state prison system, but in California. She describes how corrections officers have refused to wear masks and retaliated against incarcerated people for getting CDCR to mandate them. She talks about how people are struggling to eat without access to the commissary and how unresponsive CDCR has been to family members throughout the pandemic. We also discuss how the public's attention to COVID-19 in jails and prisons seems to be waning at a time when we're seeing the highest case counts yet. Before we dive into our conversation, I wanted to get to some quick housekeeping. A very special thanks to all of our supporters who have stuck with us while Kim and I took a little bit of a much-needed break at the end of this year. We've got some great episodes lined up for 2021, and we're eager to share them with you. We really, really, really appreciate your support, so thank you. Additionally, Shadowproof, the news organization that I founded with Kevin Gastola, recently launched the Marvel Cook Journalism Fellowship and we're seeking written contributions from journalists on both sides of the walls. The fellowship is named after the radical black journalist Marvel Cook, who I highly encourage you read if you're not yet familiar. We're looking to fund reporting on a wide range of abolitionist organizing around the world. Check out the link in the episode notes for more information, and please, if you or someone you know might be a good fit, encourage them to apply. I'm also available to answer any questions or bounce ideas around. However I can help, please reach out. And finally, if you like the show and want to help us keep going, please consider making a donation or subscribing to give a few dollars a month. You can head on over to beyond-prisons.com donate to see the options. If you can't give but you still want to help, you can rate, review, and subscribe to our show, which helps boost our visibility. Or you can tell your friends and family, followers, comrades, anyone else you talk to about us. Spreading the word really helps. That's it for now. Here's our conversation with Alice and a happy, happy new year to everyone out there. All right, Alice. Well, I'm really uh, pleased to be back with you here. You know, unfortunately having this conversation, but having a conversation that needs to be had nonetheless. Um, I wanted to start off uh, by reminding people that we spoke earlier in the year and to point them back to um, our past conversations that we've had on Beyond Prisons. I'll link to those in the episode notes. But why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about the group that got together to protest on December 19th, where you were protesting, who you all are, uh, what your demands were, and, and sort of how that experience went. Hi, well, thank you again for having me and kind of catching up and seeing what, what has transpired since then. Um, on December 19th, we had a protest at CTF Soledad, uh, Correctional Training Facility in Soledad, just to bring awareness. And, and we felt that for some reason, CTF wasn't 
it was kind of being forgotten and has now taken first place in the COVID tracker for CDCR. So we wanted to bring awareness back to that. So four wives got together, myself and three others, and said, you know what? They, they can't feel like they're being forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just contacted as much media and organizations that we could, and we had, I thought, successful, successful protests outside CTF on Saturday, just, just to remind them that they're not forgotten, and A, to remind CDCR that we're still going to hold you accountable no matter what. And, um, you know, if I could educate one person, hey, one person, that's okay. We, we're going to start somewhere. Um, I wanted to say that we had No Justice Under Capitalism with us. We had Madeleine the Harmony. We had La Causa out there with us. And that means a lot to us because, you know, they are, they are busy with their own agendas, but they mm-hmm. took time to come out and support us. I was thinking about what you were just saying. And, um, you know, I privately... It has seemed to me in the last few months that even though the pandemic has gotten so much more worse, particularly inside of jails and prisons, that a lot of the sort of energy that was happening around this summer and late spring, particularly in support of incarcerated people and their families, um, has kind of waned. And I, I wondered if that was something that you've also experienced, if it's been about the same in terms of the amount of support you're receiving, because Obviously, right now, it seems even more crucial now than ever with cases going through the roof. And in California, I think the prison system is like eight or nine times more cases uh, than the outside population. Um, so have you noticed a difference in sort of the maybe the attention you're getting from press, the support you're getting from other people? Um, how have things changed since since we spoke last? You know, um, it's, it's tough when... Um, you know, the media and, and organizers or, you know, people only stick up for one prison that has a huge outbreak and then kind mm-hmm. of forget about the rest. I think that's kind of heartbreaking because, um, you know, unfortunately, there's 30 plus prisons in the state of California and we can't just focus on one. Mm-hmm. And now all 36 prisons have COVID inside their prisons not one where when we spoke very minimal had outbreaks now every single one has active cases so i instead of you know being more out there and people speaking more fluently family members protesting um i think that that's kind of died down a little bit but there's still like the same people out there um trying and i and i wish that more family members would get involved but you know You've spoke with me on several occasions, and I've always said the same thing, that a lot of people, unfortunately, don't get involved into it until it's too late, and then we, we're mm. trying to scramble to figure out what to do, and that's unfortunate. But, you know, um, I'll continue on no matter what. I think mm-hmm. everybody knows that about me. Yeah, it is, it is bizarre. That's the thing about the California system. You know, I feel like San Quentin gets, like, all of the attention. Like if if I'm looking up uh, any information about the situation in California, it's so hyper focused on San Quentin, and that's uh, probably a whole nother conversation that that we can have about the mm-hmm. role that San Quentin plays in uh, in policy and and politics in the California prison system. But um, let's focus on Soledad because, like you're saying, that's you know that's what isn't getting the attention it deserves. Um, can you talk a little bit about your loved one on the inside and anything that you've heard 
whether it's about testing or PPE or social distancing or conditions uh, as they stand right now. And, and maybe um, a little bit about, again, about how that's changed since we last spoke in the summer or spring. Like where, where are things at in terms of how CDCR is, um, you know, orchestrating its response or, or not orchestrating its response to the pandemic inside? So since we last talked in the middle, I'm, I'm going to say, I think it was towards the end of July, mm. um, there was a huge raid against um, the Black community inside a prison. They were wake, they were woken up at three in the morning. Um, they had outside, in the middle of a pandemic, outside a police tactical force, I believe sheriffs, and they woke these men up in the middle of the night and... Uh, moved them into the cafeteria, didn't allow them to wear their masks, handcuffed them for hours and not able to protect themselves for anybody coughing or anything like that. And that's what really, regardless of whatever anybody says on CDCR says, I, I believe that that's where the outbreak started and it kind of mm -hmm. just transpired from there. Now we are second, as of right now, second on the COVID tracker with 785 active cases. Um, Resolved, I believe we have over a thousand and uh, we have seven deaths. Mm. Um, it's, it's hard, I think, for them. And then they're being treated like they're on disciplinary for something that they didn't do. You have mm -hmm. to remember, our loved ones don't go in and out of the prison. There's staff members that go in inside of that prison every day. You have regular like PIA workers, manufacturer workers that go inside and outside of the prison? Mm -hmm. Are they even following the proper protocols of wearing their masks, of their temperature checks, COVID testing? Um, and because of that, you know, our men are constantly put down of, you can't get your canteen. Some of these men are really depending on their canteen to use as supplements because although, they quarantine these men when they test positive. They're not giving them the proper days of quarantine. And we know that they need kitchen staff. Some of that kitchen staff has not fully quarantined and they're working the kitchen. So wow. would you take meals and food from that? No. So they're using, it's not a candy bar because I know, you know, because it's like, oh, so they don't get the candy bar. It's not that. They're supplementing right. that right. for food because they're denying their trade. You know, there was a point where they weren't getting their packages. They weren't getting yard time. They shut off the phones in the wings, so they weren't even able to call home. They just turned them on the day of the protest. Wow. And they had been shut off for about three weeks. So it's like they're being held hostage for something that they didn't do. If the men refuse testing or refuse medical care because there is no medical care, you literally don't even get a halt for a sore throat. They, um, they try to um, say that they're going to be written up or they'll send them to the home because they're refusing medical rights. They don't have to. Um, now, I guess, um, the medical staff is now writing up those correctional officers that aren't wearing masks. So because of that, they're retaliating against uh, our incarcerated loved ones and not wanting to give them, the, I believe they're in N97 masks, mm -hmm. and telling them that they have to go through medical to receive them which is pretty ridiculous because medical only comes around maybe tw once or twice a day. And all they basically do is take your vitals and your oxygen and your temperature. Mm -hmm. But when mm -hmm. you're asking for help, you know, especially those who are in COVID wings, 
are genuinely asking for help because they don't feel good, they're being denied those. So mm -hmm. what would be the point of asking for help then? You gotta literally go man down to to get the help that you need. I see. And I just think that's that's heartbreaking. So it's kind of like a catch twenty two where you get in trouble if you don't ask for help, but if you ask for help, unless you collapse, you know, and you're they're, uh, they're gonna you tell know. you to drink water. That's right. what they're gonna tell you. Right. And another thing, you know, they started this thing called video visits. And I won't call them video visits because it's literally a FaceTime. It's a video chat. And per the new CDCR secretary, Kathleen Allison, she's giving you one 30-minute call um, to your loved one once a month. And you have to, like, email and try to get one. A lot of these women are being denied. Um, if they lost non-contact visits, meaning that they can't physically be in contact with their partner prior to COVID, you can still get behind the glass visits, but they're being denied a video visit because of that non-contact, which is mm. pretty ridiculous to me. And then, you know, most of the people know, and most of the people that, that know my story know that my husband is an STG. Mm -hmm. He also is restrict restricted of a video visit, um, or they have to set out a certain day for him. Um, but I have to compete with everybody else trying to get visits that same day. So that's a restriction on itself. And then on top of that, my husband has not tested positive for COVID. So now they're weaponizing it and saying, well, you cannot get a video visit or you cannot work until you, you test positive for COVID and a result. So okay, exactly. So my husband who has kept himself safe during this whole pandemic because CDCR neglected to keep him safe is now being reprimanded from a video visit from myself because he kept himself safe. So basically saying until you test positive for COVID, you will not get a visit, you will not work. Basically you don't get any of the luxuries that everybody mm -hmm. else has, right? Mm -hmm. But even last weekend, video visits were supposed to start last weekend for CTS. Everybody, Everybody was denied because they're all quarantined, even those who have been resolved. And the reason that, that they'll say, oh, it was because, you know, they're quarantined. No, it's because now CTF is installing tents outside hmm. uh, for, for those who are sick and positive with COVID, which is even more heartbreaking. Uh, we started the protest at 10 a.m. on Saturday. It was so windy. The sun was bright. It was so windy and so cold that it felt like the wind was cutting through me because it was so cold. Now imagine those men being intense on the yard in the winter time when the temperatures fall overnight. How does that even make sense? But they don't have a solution for that. That's, that's their solution. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that just came out recently is that we're nine months into this pandemic. CDCR should have had a protocol for a pandemic. They're supposed to. They didn't. They're kind of just like winging it, right? And every time they're going to have a case management because, you know, there's there's a lawsuit, case management, that's when they come up with like, oh, let's, let's throw something together so we have the case management with the judge tomorrow so that way he sees we're being progressive mm -hmm. or we're trying, right? Because that's what it clearly looks like. Right. And I, I just can't believe that we're nine months into this pandemic and it's not mandatory for their staff to test 
they can refuse testing. But if my loved one refuses testing, he is reprimanded with a write-up or I'll send you to the home. And it doesn't make sense for me that a staff member is, is allowed to refuse testing. I work in an environment that has nothing, literally, I work by myself in an office. And I am mandated to get tested every week. Wow. I don't understand how these people who, who have to serve and protect and took an oath are not mandated to test. And this is why they don't even wear their mask because no one is following through with their protocol. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the things that you, that you brought up about, you know, your husband uh, basically being punished for trying to keep himself safe reminds me of the conversations that we've had a year or so ago about the fights that have been happening um, at Soledad. But, um, Maybe before we bring that in, I was wondering, you know, I know that back then, in particular, you were trying to have meetings with CDCR officials, you were trying to, uh, you know, you and the other women were sending emails and letters and trying to get some kind of a response or some action. And at the time, you were getting form letters and things that didn't even make sense. And, you know, one person would tell you to talk to this person, and they'll tell, tell you to talk to somebody else. Um, have you had any experience in trying to push CDCR um, to do any of these things or to advocate to for your husband? Like what kind of a response have you or the other women received, if any, uh, from the prison system, just to give people an idea um, of, of the kind of resistance you're met with? Um, I think at this point, we do whatever we can. Um, we have a lot of wives who constantly email the warden. Uh, we, we email the governor, you know, we want the governor, you know, we're demanding that the governor take control of this situation. Um, I, I feel that he's been very quiet on this. Mm -hmm. um, we're demanding that mass release happen. Um, in the state of California, there's 30 plus prisons and they're all over capacity. Right. CTF being at 129%. In order to control this pandemic, every single prison needs to go under its capacity of 100%. And there should be no transfers of any kind. Because that's how they try to get rid of their problem. Was like, we'll transfer them somewhere else. Why? Right. We're all over capacity. What sense does that make? Um, I think we have a small group of supporters in, in the incarcerated community who are pushing for mass relief who are sending their emails, who are sending their emails to the warden, to the secretary of CDCR, to legislators. It's just, you know, I think everybody moves really slow mm -hmm. sometimes, you know. I, I emailed the warden over a month ago and I still haven't received a response, but mm -hmm. that's typical of warden Corden. He, yeah. he go, he's been on vacation twice during this pandemic, which doesn't make sense to me. How do you go on vacation both times when both huge outbreaks took place? Um, and, and who runs your prison during that time? Because mm -hmm. it literally looks like they have pick them, like, you get to run it today, you do whatever you want. You get to run it today, you do whatever you want. Right. So I don't, I don't understand that. But again, you know, that's CDCR for you. Right. I mean, that's a critical point to, to raise, I feel like, right? I mean, I think this is the case in a lot of prison systems, but certainly uh, with CDCR, it's not like there's a unified, coordinated response you know, like all of these prisons are sort of at the whim of whatever the whoever is the warden that day, uh, you know, in the case of your vacationing yep. warden, you know, whatever the fuck they feel like uh, exactly. is, is how it goes. 
Um, yeah, because CDCR headquarters will release this beautiful memorandum and right. everything looks nice in black and white, but we all know that every ward, every ward in every prison runs as they see fit. Right. And that's it. That's bottom line. There is no standard because each prison runs as they see. And that's it. Um, have they still been instigating fights as they had been before the pandemic at uh, Soledad or has that subsided for the time being? I know that that was sort of the larger context in which we entered the pandemic, you know, was on the heels of these lockdowns and like months, you know, you were talking about the disruptions in terms of um, uh, commissary, the canteen and all of that and getting access to food and uh, getting access to the phones and how, um, that disruption had been ongoing before the pandemic had even started. Has that carried into the pandemic uh, experience at all? Or has it sort of, have things shifted because of the reality of COVID-19? Um, as of right now, you know, they haven't pulled any stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now, I, one faction is in one wing and the other faction is in another wing. And I think right now, because of COVID, I think if they did try anything, the backlash would be even worse. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's it's gonna die down or it's never gonna happen again. Sure, sure. Um, I think that the I think that the only reason it did stop was because COVID hit, and uh, that's the only thing that's you know unfortunately in the middle of a pandemic, which is scary, keeping you know our men safe right right now from that. But when it's over, I guarantee you it will begin again. Was there anything else about um, the the conditions or things that you've heard on the inside that you wanted to share? And if not, if you feel like you've shared that, did you, you know, what can people who are listening to this do to help you out um, and to aid in your cause? Um, one thing I wanted to add is that we were out there um, uh, protesting on Saturday, um, December 19th, excuse me. And we decided to stay during changeover when mm. staff is coming in for their shift. And that was at one o'clock. We witnessed, and we all had video of it, and we witnessed about, let's say, 100 cars going in. And CDCR is saying that they're following proper, proper protocols and they're doing temp shifts and masks. And, but you had about 100 cars stopping at the gate interacting with staff members who have been on the clock and all wearing their masks. Mm. But these staff members going in, I kid you not, maybe like seven to 10 of them were the only ones wearing masks coming into the prison grounds Mm. and the rest didn't have them. So right there, we know that they're, if they're not following proper protocol in front of us and, and have no shame, what are they doing behind those walls? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Another thing is just uh, there's a stigma about people in prison and there's a stigma about people like me because I'm a prison wife. But, you know, our loved ones are human. You know, this always goes back to human rights and, and no justice under capitalism had a beautiful banner that said healthcare is a human right. It's a human right. Um, no matter what I say to you today, no matter what I say throughout the rest of my life as an advocate, it's all about basic human rights these men deserve that they deserve that they've already been judged for their crime they're doing their time they shouldn't have to try to fight to get out of there alive mm-hmm. um it's 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 so dehumanizing 
to me um, for family members or for organizers or, you know, anybody who's been out there in the fight or who doesn't know where to start. There's, there's a place to start. Um, mm -hmm. We, you know, send an email, find your legislator, call the warden, do whatever you have to do, but don't give up on them and don't, don't be scared to, to do something just because you have fear of retaliation. Because regardless if you speak up or not, they retaliate against our loved ones every day. We just right. don't know about it. Um, and, you know, just keep up the fight. I have a message for the guys on the inside. If anybody ever hears this, we're putting pressure on our side. We need you guys to put pressure on your side. Follow your 602 methods, regardless if they're bullshit. I know it, and the process is so long now, but do it. Put everything in black and white. Do that paperwork. Take your time. You're just sitting there anyways. They have you guys confined to your own little space. Do your 602s. Push that paperwork. That that way we have things in black and white. Um, and, and same for family members, send your emails, everything black and white, get everything in black and white so that we have that paper trail. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, I'll have Brian um, I'll leave you guys my email. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm always here to help. I'm not the most knowledgeable, but you know I've been in this fight for a very long time and I'm not gonna go anywhere. Well, I really appreciate you catching up and um, talking with me again. I think we should do this again soon, uh, sooner rather than later. It was probably too long in between our last two chats. Um, but before I let you go, was there any, any final things that you wanted to say uh, to the people listening? You know, just, just keep going and hold CDCR accountable. Hold CDCR accountable and, and don't read the comments on the Facebook warriors and the social media. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot of hate, but we also have a lot of love. There's there's a lot of hate mongering that happens um, on the outside. Don't let that get to you. Don't even respond to them because they're the same people that trust CDCR. And they say, you know, CDCR rehabilitates. And if that's the case, then you should have no fear letting our loved ones go. No fear. Thank you so much, Alice. I hope uh, your holiday is as restful as it can be, and I hope you have a nice new year. And please keep in touch with me, okay? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening to Beyond Prisons. If you find our work valuable, we ask that you head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe to Beyond Prisons. You can support our work by sharing this and past episodes on social media. If you're financially able to support us, you can do so for as little as $1 per month over on Patreon at patreon.com backslash beyondprisons. We recently launched our new website, www.beyond-prisons.com. There you will find a Beyond Prisons guide for supporting prisoners during the COVID-19 crisis, including a link to a downloadable PDF in small and large print formats. There's also a section on mutual aid projects that we update frequently and a list of demands that includes a call for the immediate release of prisoners. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can drop us a line at beyondprisonspodcast at gmail.com. Beyond Prisons is created and hosted by Kim Wilson and Brian Sonnenstein. 
Ellis Maxwell edits our episodes, and Victoria Nam manages our website and volunteers. The music is by Jared Ware. We'd like to give a special thanks to our many volunteers who are helping us transcribe our episodes to make them more accessible, as well as our donors who provide 100% of the funding for this show. We really appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.